Welcome to episode number 45 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by the Liquor Store of Jackson Hole. Supporting the community of Jackson Hole and the surrounding valley for over 35 years. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I am Stephan Abrams, your host. I believe if you desire truly fulfilling life, both personally and professionally, then you must be willing to find a connection with people outside of your everyday circle of influence, which is why I created the Jackson Hole Connection podcast. Today's amazing guest is Crystal Wright, so just wait to hear about Crystal's fantastic life accomplishments. Crystal was raised in the area of Jackson and Pinedale by her former ski bum parents. The summers were spent on a remote ranch in the Wind River Range, which had no electricity, while in the winter, skiing on Jackson Hole Mountain Resort's Big Mountain. While growing up on the ranch, Crystal grew her passion for horses and began to rodeo at the age of eight. As we will learn, horses have always been Crystal's therapy. Another sport Crystal competed in was downhill skiing and later in life decided to move to big mountain competitions. While skiing competitively, Crystal experienced several injuries which most people would cause to stop skiing. But not Crystal. She found her mojo and kept on pushing and won a few big world ski competitions. Now a mom and business owner, Crystal faces the toughest thing she has ever done, own and operate her own business, which by the way, focuses on strength training for life. Crystal, I was delighted and excited when you accepted my invitation to be a guest on the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for coming today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. Indeed. Well, you're one of the few at this point with you being on episode number 46 that is born and raised and still living here in Jackson Hole. So please tell us about you and how your family landed here. Uh, my family came from the East Coast. Um, my dad from Ohio, my mom, I guess that's more Midwest, but my dad from Ohio, my mom from Pennsylvania. And they actually met um, out here. They came out to be ski bums for winter. Uh, you know, they thought they'd come live a winter out here and then go to college or they had kind of started college and took a little time off and came out here and they never went back. And my dad wanted to go to vet school and he became a contractor and my mom was in nursing school and became a ski patrol, which was, I guess, a little bit closer <laughs> realm. She also dabbled um, at the resort for, you know, 35 years in marketing at Jackson Mountain Resort uh, to ski hosting. And then she was on ski patrol for about 20 years. And then my dad became a contractor and they met and made you moose and fell in love and that's awesome because that's where I came from. <laughs> my mom, my mom, actually, a little secret about her, and she'll love to hear this, but she actually moved out here. She married her high school sweetheart, and as soon as they came to Jackson, that didn't work out so well. So, okay, yeah, a little secret. Um, so then my parents met, and yeah, that's where I came from. I have a younger sister, and yeah, we spent from when I was five years old, uh, we'd spend. Uh, six months of our time in the Wind Rivers. Um, so I grew up in the winds as well. No kidding. Um, out of Pinedale because my dad worked so much when we were kids here in Jackson, just trying to be establish his business as a contractor. And he didn't, like, I don't, you know, we didn't get to see him very much. So he gave up that for the, the ranch job. And then we all got to be together as a family. And between there and here, it was one of the most amazing childhood experiences. I feel very grateful. So growing up here in Jackson Hole, one of the most amazing experiences but tell people what the wind 
rivers is all about as well. The winds are very wild. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And we managed a ranch um, 50 miles out of Pinedale uh, by the Big Sandy entrance, which is now very well known. But um, no electricity. You know, we just had a generator. And I pretty much grew up there from when I was five years old. Um, my parents just retired from managing, which was really sad. Um, but I would spend my summers there, you know, for 15, 15 years pretty much straight. And, you know, got, that's what got me into horse showing and rodeo and just being in the mountains, really, to be totally honest. And then I didn't spend a ton of time in the Tetons in the summers until I was 19. And then obviously started to explore those more because I was living in Jackson because it was hard to live and be isolated on the ranch. Um, once I graduated high school and um, but I've always had a big heart for the Wind Rivers and that whole area and it's a whole it's very different than the Tetons bigger kind of longer mountain range Um, definitely a little more wild a little bit bigger area but the Tetons are still my home cool and growing up here you became quite a skier as well and that has taken you around the world in some respects Yes, skiing. When I was young, my parents kind of had me dabbling in gymnastics, which I'm definitely not the gymnastics <laughs> built now. That didn't work so well. And I was trying to be a figure skater. That definitely didn't work so well. <laughs> and yeah, ski racing pretty much became, uh, and skiing for that matter, became my life from a very young age of two because my mom, you know, would work at the Jackson Mountain Resort and I would always, you know, go out there with her and I go to Pooh Corner at the hostel. It was really good experiences there. And then I'd go out skiing with my parents. And those are like my kind of first memories I have of skiing. And then right around age eight, I enrolled in the Jacksonville Ski Club. And then I feel like the rest is kind of history, but I just continued to get more and more into ski racing and yeah, raced all the way through high school traveled with the U.S. ski team for a while. Um, my biggest thing with ski, ski racing that was amazing is I got to forerun the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City. Um, that was an amazing experience because it was in the U.S. Um, and I was bib A, so I was a f- definitely a full-on guinea pig. So pretty much if anything had happened to me on my run, they would cancel the women's downhill. Um, so that was kind of intimidating, but an amazing experience. And then um, I took two years off and traveled and raced a lot in Europe. Uh, and then I decided to go to college because <laughs> I was, you know, two years out of high school at that point. And I ra- went and raced for Montana State um, for four years. And um, so I essentially raced pretty competitively until I was 25. And then I moved on to the whole big mountain um, extreme skiing competitions, which we can get more into, but that's kind of where my racing led me. And I f- it was amazing to be able to grow up here with the Jacksonville Ski Club and Snow King was such a great training hill, still is. Um, but then also having, you know, the free skiing out at the Jacksonville Mountain Resort and being able to ski out there was kind of how I probably raced along because if it wasn't for free skiing, I, I think I would have burnt out a lot sooner with not having that, this playground. And Earlier, you also mentioned growing up in Pinedale and being on horses and in the winds, that your love and passion for that. Were you ever on a competitive level of um, equestrian? Yes. So I was in Horse 4-H for 10 years um, when I started when I was eight. And so I showed like every weekend doing horse shows. And then I also started rodeoing at a young age, around six or eight, racing barrel, barrel racing, pole bending. Um, so I've rodeoed in the Jackson Hole area um, since I was essentially eight years old. 
um, and I still do. I love barrel racing, and I rope as well, uh, breakaway roping. And that's what was awesome about the ranch is it gave me access because we were able to have our horses there and ride really easily, and I learned a lot about riding, and I thought 4-H was such an impactful part of my horse experience. And then I actually went on to rodeo in college as well. Um, so high school rodeo for Jackson Hole Rodeo uh, team, our high school rodeo team. And then I uh, also rodeoed at Montana State. And that was kind of a, <laughs> it was hard to ski um, D1 and rodeo for college um, and study. <laughs> so that you was. Had to study? <laughs> had to study. Um, but it was, it worked out because the sports were totally opposite seasons. Mm-hmm. But ski practice and rodeo practice are not exactly like a basketball practice. You have to like get your horses in the trailer, go to the arena. And then same with ski practice, you have to, you know, get all your gear, go up to the resort. So each practice is like three, four hours, you know, like a day. And then you're throwing college on top of that. So it was a juggle, but I'm, I mean, it was so fun. I, lo- I loved ro- rodeoing from Montana State and I got to go, you know, go with my friends on the weekends and we'd go to the rodeos and I really got to experience like another state, you know, cause I haven't really lived that much out of Jackson besides up in Bozeman. And then um, I did do my first, I dabbled in CU Boulder for one year. That just wasn't quite the fit for me. Um, But those are only two other places I've ever lived, which is wild. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) And from what I hear with your story is you have an amazing drive that sends you into this level of competition that (laughs) not a lot of people have experienced. To be a skier at the level that you are or, and have been at takes such a commitment. And also for the, for the racing in the equestrian side of things with the ba- barrel racing, the, the roping, and et cetera, et cetera. Wow. What is your drive that, that motivates you to do this? That's a really good question. And I mean, I don't think it's necessarily just competition. I think it's just the passion like for from the rodeo side I love horses literally have always been my kind of therapy and it's like they always say horses are girls best friend and that was always for me the case for me and I think also when ski racing was getting and I love to ski but it there were times that it became a job and I always wanted to keep my passion separate from like the things I love being my job and so when I get burnt out on skiing I would you know, think about riding my horse or go do that and try to offset it. Cause those were the two things that I absolutely loved. And, um, you know, sometimes when I was in the start gate for a ski race, I would think about roping and then I'd not get as nervous anymore, you know, or if I rope, I'd think about being, you know, in the start gate for skiing. And I just laugh at myself and be like, oh, you're such a dork. Like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? Um, cause yes, I am a very competitive person, but I'm also, I feel like very passionate about those things. And so if they, become something that's not fun that's really hard for me so it was juggling both of them um was good and I was never as like serious with rodeo as I was like skiing obviously because it would just be too hard but there was one time I had a goal I wish I I mean this was like just a funny goal when I was 12 I was like oh I wish how cool would it be to make the Olympics and the NFR in the same year and I mean that was more just like it wasn't it was like a pipe goal it'd be so hard to make that a reality but you know at the time it was just a joke kind of so, and I, that was when I had to kind of decide rodeo versus skiing and get more serious on one or the other. So, mm-hmm. um, that's why at Montana state, like the rodeo team was kind of open, whereas my skiing was paying my education. So I had to kind of take that more seriously. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I love them both. Well, congratulations. And I love that you found or that you have this passion, something to break away that allows you just to be free. Yeah, and I think that's what the horses were for me because 
it's just, yeah, I love animals, always have, and especially the, the horses, you know, they were just like a good, they always made me, if I was stressed or worried about anything or nervous about a race, like I just kind of go back to them and they would kind of calm me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a dog, but they're just a little bigger. <laughs> I think in, in anything with, with life, we all need something to distract us from those stresses of life. And, and you found yours and, and you have yours. I love it. Yes. And I, yeah, I think, yeah, skiing is a different way. And then the horses were just always a non-competitive way a lot of times because you can just get on your horse and go ride. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like every time I was on my skis, I was training for something. <laughs> oh, so. I, I bet. So <laughs> yes. now you're an entrepreneur, a businesswoman and a mom. Yes. And so your business is, is what? Uh, my business is right training. Uh, definitely the hardest thing in my life I've ever done, <laughs> starting a business. Um, way harder than any of my ski racing or college racing or anything, rodeo. Uh, but I started right training uh, about six years ago. I was kind of working and renting spaces around town after I graduated college in 2006. So I guess we're at like 13-ish years in. And uh I yeah, just started to kind of grow my clientele base. I've always, I've been injured a ton in my my career, in my life. And I um, realized at 25 when I got out of college, I was missing something. I was having like chronic back pain, which I thought was crazy. And I started strength training at a more functional level, not like for a sport. I was actually just doing it for life. And um, my back pain went away and I just realized all this stuff with me and I was like, wow. And then it made me want to help other people that were in that pain or had been injured. And then the mental aspect, because the mental aspect of knowing that you're strong and going back to a sport is so much better than just going back to a sport without having that strength mentally and physically. So that's kind of where my gym came. My big things, my three things are um, strength, performance, prevention. Obviously I end up seeing more people when they're injured um, because that's when I get them in, but I I aim to like prevent injury and create proper mechanics and help people, yeah, have a better quality of life and be able to continue to play in these mountains. So it's very directed towards durability for, you know, what we do in Jackson Hole, even if it's just going out for a hike. Um, As we age, things start (laughs) to wear out. You know, all the way down to the kids. I love working with the kids. So I have a pretty big demographic. Um, and I also work closely with um, Excel Physical Therapy. And we work with bringing you know, people back together, which is awesome. And then Studio J Pilates. And my goal is to have, like, one kind of stop shop and all come together. But, yeah, it's constantly changing and growing. And, yes, I didn't. I started my business a month out because I outgrew the space I was renting. And um, my person I was renting from, he's like, you need, he's like, you need to move on. You need to start your own place. I'm like, I can't start my own business. I know nothing about business, which... <laughs> was totally true and so I kind of just jumped into it found a place and within a month right training was up and running mm-hmm. <laughs> I had committed to competing um in free skiing world tour again which was very hard and I was lucky to have some good coaches that helped survive me through that first winter because I just wasn't hadn't planned on starting my business and knew nothing about it and kind of learned everything the hard way but it's never easy so so you said it's the hardest thing that you've ever done and you've done some hard things. You've rehabbed your body through several different injuries to go back into the world of competitive skiing. So why was the business the hardest thing that you've ever done? I think for me, the reason why the business was so hard was because I really, it was very unknown. Like I always was like training and like building up to be a better skier. I was always building up to be better at rodeo. I was always building up, you know, for all these things, like I was with injury, you kind of progress and you get better and you see an end with the business. I just really had no idea. You know, I kind of just jumped in and 
you know, knew I loved helping people and was passionate about that, but I didn't realize like, I can't just do that if I own something <laughs> or like run the business side. And I think that's why it was so struggling for me because, you know, I, I, it was very unknown. Like I was not prepared. I did not know kind of what I was doing besides that I know I wanted to make an impact on people's lives, like fitness. <laughs> and so when you started your business, you said that you had, you had coaches who were helping you get back into the competitive uh, skiing. But at the same time, you're a coach for people. Yes. Tell me why somebody who is a coach needs a coach. That's a great question. I think I, you know, and that was what was hard about the free skiing world tour that I moved on to compete in after college was we didn't have coaches, our athletes, you know, we were each other's kind of coaches. Um, so it was in this community, I tried to s- seek out people that would impact me. And Rob Shaw really helped me with that at Mount Athlete because I started kind of training with him and he was really fascinated about our sport. And it was just nice to have somebody that believed in you and pushed you. And we didn't really have any on ski coaching, but it was just nice to have somebody that was like there watching your, you know, like watching your progress in the gym at least and like tracking what you're doing outside and kind of, you know, cheering you on. And I still miss like, you know, I, I love coaching people, but that's why I always tell all my current, you know, employees that work for me, I say it's it's the best to get coached. Like it's so nice to get coached. And I sometimes don't have time to get coached. I just do my own workouts and I miss that. <laughs> I miss that aspect of one, being pushed by a coach and two, somebody making sure my form and I'm doing things properly. And so I think it's super important for a coach to have a coach and vice versa because mm-hmm. you can always learn. <laughs> That's right. You can always, you can always learn. I, I so agree with that. And did you ever get a coach for your business? Uh, <laughs> that's a, I should have, yes. Um, I dabbled with like different, you know, some of my clients were very good business people. But mm-hmm. no, I never did have, and I know there's a lot of opportunity out there. I just have never, I still would love to seek that out. But I think what happened is I kind of got put in full throttle and then I just never have been able to like, was ever able to take that time because when they was like, I could meet with that person. It was like, you know, I was working till 7 p.m. and then rushing home. And yes, that's a great question. But no, I did not. I had different mentors in the business industry. And I always look up, especially to all the business owners, small business owners in this town. And always like would inquire and ask questions. And, you know, like Inversion Yoga and Julie from Revolution and people that were kind of in my like industry. Mm Because I'm like, how'd you guys do this? And it was neat to hear everybody's, everybody struggles, but all different so that was nice but no i've never actually had a business coach do you feel that you're winning winning the battle at this point Whew. yes yeah, some well i think i am for a week and then something else happens <laughs> in the business you know um but no i i think right now it's i feel like i've learned a lot and i'm trying to make smarter decisions and yeah just plugging away so awesome hopefully we're getting there <laughs> i i would say it just goes back to just like being a, a mom or a dad you think it's going great one day and then totally you know, you pick your kid up from daycare or you wake them up in the morning for whatever. And it's like, what happened? <laughs> this is such a different. That's so true. That's like <laughs> how I with my daughter right now, you know. And that was like my business was my baby. So for me to have a, a real baby mm-hmm. <laughs> was like a big step because I was so nervous that I wouldn't be able to run the business, too. And, you know, obviously it, it all it all works out. But, yeah, it's, it's very much like raising a child because. One minute, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So insightful. And, and I appreciate you sharing all this information. We're going to take a quick break so we can have a word from one of the sponsors. And, and we will be right back. Bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. 
Grab some bubbles today and uncork centuries of practice which make those little fun bubbles. The liquor store of Jackson Hole can help you find your new favorite bottle of bubbles. Bubbles are so versatile, they should not be kept bottled up and should be used for more than just celebrations. Stop into the liquor store of Jackson Hole to learn more about the bubbles which pair well with summer grilling and everyday social time. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS for more details. So Crystal, you mentioned at one point that you were a big mountain skier on, on a very high competitive level. Um, I, I'm not sure what a big mountain skier is. Um, I, I don't see that um, very much. Define that for me, please. So the sport I um, moved on to compete in uh, was the as the free skiing world tour. Um, big mountain skiing, extreme skiing is a way to kind of put it. Everybody sees ski movies and they see Alaska and people jumping off cliffs and skiing fast. And it was kind of putting that into a judged sport essentially. So you travel around and you compete in different areas um, all over the world and you're given a venue to pick a line and ski. And it's, you're judged on the fluidity of that line, your technique, your control. So you don't want to pick a line that's obviously above your, you know, too far above your level because then you can't ski it fluid with good technique and in control, which are all the other parts that go. But you don't want to pick a line that's too easy and you flash everything else, but then the whole line score that they use um, is taken. And the judging's changed a bunch, but this is kind of how it was when I started. Um, but your line score kind of set the whole base for everything. Um, so that's where the whole the cliff drops or steep skiing or shoots all came in. Um, and essentially it'd be very, it was very well, you know, laid out and you got to inspect. Um, there was lots of times where I only had visual inspections. So you get really good at just inspecting through the binoculars, which sometimes is hard because you have to pick out a line that <laughs> look at the binoculars and the air looks like it's five feet and you get on top of it and it's 15 feet or 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes that can be hard, but what I loved the most about competing and I competed for 10 years, you know, straight and was just the camaraderie and the other athletes. Some it was very different than ski racing. Like I was telling you earlier, we don't, didn't have coaches. So it made the athletes become very close. And also we were competing in a sport that was dangerous. We all saw friends die in our sport, you know, and we all had to get through that together. And like, it's almost like the judges became our coaches and kind of support group too it was very an interesting mm. you know it's, it was a, the one sport that you just don't I mean now for the juniors coming up they have coaches and stuff but for us we were kind of paving the way because it was just the sport was just getting going you know especially for women and that it's been so fun to be watch the women start progress and that sport over the last 10 years since I originally competed you know went from like you know competing against 10 women and then like some of the last competitions I did started with 40 um, which was amazing and so yeah so that's you know it's, it's a judged event which I said after horse showing for 10 years and <laughs> doing the horse stuff in a judged environment I would never do another judged sport and then I got sucked into that but I think the draw with it was yeah the travel and there's nothing better than better feeling just like in anything you push yourself at like no matter what you got at start gate even if I don't ski the best line that I want I push myself and you come to the finish line and I've never that feeling of stoke is unreal and knowing that you like have accomplished that run and skied your line even if you know I maybe crashed in my air or missed my air and that's what I loved about it and then you had all your friends in the finished crowd cheering you on and guys and girls it was awesome to have support from the males too just cheering us all on and vice versa so so help me understand this even a little bit more we're going to go a little bit deeper into it are you riding 
save the tram up like here in Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and picking a line or are you riding a lift up having to hike an hour to get to a spot or are you being dropped off by helicopter that's a very very good question that's what I was trying to figure out something to compare to it could be all three like okay. it just depends on the venue and where we're at for example people that know Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and Casper Bowl we competed there we competed in Toilet Bowl and so essentially they would rope off where you compete. But Casper Bowl is a great venue, for example, if you look, you know, because they always want to make it spectator friendly too, because obviously their goal is to always, you know, get the spectators to grow our sport. Uh, so they they wouldn't fly us necessarily, not because they're not making a ski movie. So they want, you know, it's a competition. So they would try and make it accessible for people. So we wouldn't necessarily fly, yes, like Revelstoke, like the spectators could get there, but they flew us to the top you know of our competition venue in a helicopter for example but yeah we don't go like or we'd hike a lot too to get to it but it would always end where people could come and cheer you on and be there okay. too so yes you're not we're not out like in the middle of nowhere <laughs> okay all right that helps <laughs> yeah, no, that's me good. i was trying to but yeah think casper bowl or tower three if you okay <laughs> live in jackson <laughs> yeah or if somebody's skied out here before uh-huh. fascinating so at a certain point you were injured and you had to make a, a life decision Yes. So, I mean, I've been injured on and off kind of my whole career. And I, to be totally honest, I didn't really get that injured competing in big mountain skiing in 10 years. I had just won the free skiing world tour in 2012. And I do think everything happens for a reason. This might've been a blessing in disguise, but I just spent five weeks like going, like it was wild. I ended up going back and forth to Europe. I came back to the U.S. because the comp had got moved and I was tied with um, Angel Collinson for the overall tour and it was down to whoever won the last we'd been competing since august in south america and our last competition was in kirkwood and i had promised my um, now husband brian that i would go to chamonix and spend a month and i wasn't gonna do anything with skiing and compete and uh oh here happens a competition gets moved and i'm tied i tried to pay off angel and see if she would just tie me in so i didn't have to all duke it out but so i flew back and competed um, in Kirkwood for the final finals um, from I was like going back and forth from Europe which was crazy but I could only do it with the help of my sponsors which was awesome and they're like you just got to do it and so I did it and I went and I ended up winning the competition and the uh, uh, the world tour uh, which was amazing it was like one of those things you dream about but never think can come true like winning the day and you know you know I'd been competing at that point I'd won the world tour in 2009 so I've won the world tour twice but I didn't repeat again until 2012 and I was kind of just giving it my all that year. I was kind of getting my retiring year. And, um, so I ended up winning the tour and then I, you know, in the meantime, my shoulder was dislocating all the time and it dislocated after I'd already won and I was just waving excitedly. So I was dealing with that injury, which can definitely get in your head. Um, cause it's very painful. Flew back to Europe to meet Brian and we did a bunch of just, you know, scary stuff in Chamonix area and just learning, you know. And then I literally was back after five weeks of kind of traveling. I got to compete in Verbier, um, Switzerland that year too, uh, which is the Verbier Extremes, um, which is a very high-level competition that's just amazing, like one of the most amazing events ever. That was all wrapped up into those five weeks. So I guess what I'm leading at is I'd just been home for four days. I was like – I remember I was riding my bike up cash, and I was like, wow, like – I didn't have a chance to realize I was had like what I had done in five weeks. And I was like, wow, I'm okay. Like my business is like, you know, I'm starting to build up clients. Like I'm back in Jackson. I love Jackson. And, you know, it's such a beautiful out. And I was like, do, 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 just strolling along. And 
I was like, oops, there's my turn because I wasn't I was going down Cash Creek Road and I skidded out and landed on my leg, my right leg. And I sat up and my foot was 90 degrees rotated to the right and my bone was piercing <laughs> towards the skin. And I was like, this really hurts. But I was like, I wasn't having, usually when I get hurt, I have, I'm having an adrenaline rush. And I definitely was just kind of zoning out and it turned out to be one of the worst injuries of um, my life so far. And um, broke my tib fib very bad, shattered my ankle part and then broke it up high and then broke my fib. Next thing I knew, I was like in the hospital for a week, a couple of different surgeries um, on my leg just to get the rod in right. And I now still have a rod in my leg. And yeah, it kind of just changed my athletic life right then and there, you know, because it was a big recovery. And it's a long story, but the tour ski tours were combining. And since I was the reigning free skiing champion, I really was excited to compete. But the first stop was in January. I broke my leg in May and I didn't weight bear on my leg for three months hence the other reason why I got really into like the strength side of it and helping people come back from injury because I only weight bared for three months and then I had to get my shoulder operated on and then I went into compete um in Revelstoke and um yeah it was very hard I was in a lot of pain and I it wasn't a great I came back too soon I guess mm-hmm. that, that's what happened in the meantime I kind of was still renting space for my training and I feel because the reason why I was able to heal so strongly is this amazing community and this community that stood by me for my gym and my clients. Cause I would go into work to help other people being like, poor me, poor me. I'm like broken leg. You know, like this is awful. Like, what am I going to do? And I'd leave the gym like feeling so much better because I just helped other people. And so like, I feel like my gym community was like my recovery and they like helped me get through it. And everybody was like bringing me food and it was amazing. And that's kind of where my gym started because I started my gym that fall <laughs> after I committed to being injured already and anyways, going on to the, the <laughs> tour. So it, it's weird to like talk out loud because I'm like, what was I thinking <laughs> back on it? So yeah, so I started my gym in December of 2012. I broke my leg in May of 2012. And then I went and competed on the free skiing tour in 2013. January was the first stop and I ended up re-injuring my leg that year skiing and I just wasn't ready. I think what I say with the blessing in disguise is like you just learn so much about your body and who you are being injured. And then like, I don't know if my gym ever would have started if I wouldn't have had that leg injury. Mm-hmm. It's hard facts. I, I was, I, I had just come off like a win. I was like, oh yeah, this whole being a professional skier could actually work. This could be awesome. I could keep traveling the world. I could film with TGR. You know, you think all these things in your head at the time because you're on such a high and I don't regret any of it now. Like, I'm so glad that I started my business and it has worked out the way it has. But at the time, it was a little wild and crazy. But yeah, sorry to go off. But that's kind of where the injury and my business mm-hmm. and everything kind of came together. And I did compete for a couple of years, but I was never able to ski the same one because of running the business and then just being in a lot of pain with that leg. Because where my rod is, is right where I flex my boot. So I don't do well with that stuff. That was, so that's why I go, ooh. Sorry. <laughs> So not to disgust anybody, but yeah, I mean, it's good now, knock on wood. Like I have skied without pain for two years and, you know, I get, it was 2012 in May. So it's been exactly, where are we, seven years? So for people who are struggling with finding a way to be driven or find that motivation, what do you suggest to your clients when, when people might be, um, you know, feeling, no, I, I don't know if I can do this, or, you know, coming back from an injury, 
What do you tell people saying to say, you can do this? That's a great question. And, you know, I love working with injuries and people coming back and trying to, you know, because they it's everybody's so down, but they don't realize like they are going to get through it. And it's hard to I, my big thing is staying in physical therapy and working out in the gym together, because if you like have a 20 ACL, you can still work the rest of your body. And it's that mental endorphin release. And, you know, I always try to relate with people because I remember like certain things I just couldn't do for so many months. And, you know, I say, you'll get that, you'll get there, but it's not easy. You have to work hard. And that's where, you know, I can put together little programs like, you know, in the gym where I push them mentally, um, you know, try to get them to like understand that they need to come back, you know, get that kind of, you know, rah, like I can do this again and, you know, not just give up, you know. Um, but it is, that's kind of how I try to motivate people is kind of by trying to relate with them as much as I can and then push them out of their comfort zone. I'm a big, mm-hmm. big pers- proponent of out of the comfort zone <laughs> um, because usually I never have anybody regret that they work too hard or the same thing when I, with skiing and when I coach women's camps and different things like that, like I've never had anybody, they might be like, Crystal, I'm not skiing this, I'm not skiing this, but then after they're done, they're like psyched. And that's how I feel. Like that's all at whatever your level is. Um, same goes with coming back from injury. I feel like, you know, it's just kind of what, you know, you're willing to do. So when you say hard work, give me an idea as far as um, what it takes for hard work. That's another good question. Yes, hard work to me um, is showing up, working hard in the gym, you know, so being motivated, pushing yourself, not just laying on the couch, you know, moping, like, you know, doing something when you're injured, taking, you know, I'm not saying I did all this right either, but, you know, when you are injured, you know, figure out something else to do if you can't do out stuff outside, you know, I mean, I was injured all summer and that was really hard. But I tried to read more and learn more and, like, learn more about business and, uh, you know, as much as I could. But, yeah, just kind of work hard in that sense and who you are as a person. And, you know, it's sort of like even meditation or anything like the mental part is, I think, the hardest part of an injury, in my opinion, versus the physical. And then the physical stuff, I feel like if you seek out the right help and who works, you know, well with you. But, you know, it's hard to do it on your own. Like, I've never come back from an injury on my own physically. I've always had a coach or you know somebody pushing me through an exercise you know can, can you say that again you've <laughs> never come back from an injury on your own you've always had had a support yeah. yeah had support and so many people think that they can do it on their own and a lot of people go to physical therapy and that's great but when you're released from P- physical therapy it doesn't mean that you're ready to perform you know mm-hmm. there's still a lot more steps and that doesn't you know a lot of people are like well it doesn't matter I'm not a professional athlete and I'm like yeah but if you want to go just hike up Josie's you know mm-hmm. hike up Snow King, you know, like you or need to pick up your groceries pick, yeah, or your, your child. Or, yeah. Like, especially the backs. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. picking up your child, playing with your kids. You know, you still need to be able to get back to full, you know, physical. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just come back after your PT says, here you go. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by hard work is. And that's my, been my biggest thing with my gym is bridging that gap and like trying to keep people because it is you like it does take takes a team to get you back yeah hence what i'm trying to do with my business model but yeah i don't think i can't recall any time i've come back from injury like all the way by myself and and i like what you said as well it's not just the physical aspect of it but it's also the mental so whether it's reading continually to learn or if you need to do some medication meditation medication yeah (laughs) well you might need some medication medication. yeah the meditation (laughs) um yoga Whatever it takes, just getting out and walking, if you're having trouble walking, just push yourself to say, I can do this, but not to the point that you're going to re-injure yourself. 
I think is important for for all of us to realize, you know, everybody is probably dealing with something and are we willing to just work hard at it to be better? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And the same goes like for pregnancy and, you know, everybody, like, I just think, think of that as, I don't want to think of it as an injury, but that's how, yeah. I, how I had to look at it essentially yeah. coming back from. Woo! So, but that's a whole other story, but it just made me think of it because everybody has so many different, you know, like pregnancy wreaks havoc on women's bodies sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. I know what my <laughs> wife went through, but wow. Uh, it's, it's amazing what, um, women carrying, carrying a child. It's, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It is. So, I so appreciate you taking the time out of your hectic schedule, being a mom, a business owner, um, coaching people. And so if, if people are interested in, in finding out about your gym, how can they do that? And also, how can somebody reach out to you personally? I think the best way is just by email, um, crystalwright.ski at gmail.com. And for my gym, uh, there's www.jhwrighttraining.com. And there's lots of info there, and but I'm always open to questions or stuff via email on anything in life because I like, yeah, I love being out there to help if I can, and I love that people are out there to help me. So, <laughs> I I think paying it forward is so important. Yes, and and I can see you doing that because so many people have helped you out along your path, and I'm sure they still will. But um, I can see how much you you're helping other people right now. Awesome, thanks. Seth. Thanks, Crystal. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. To learn more about Crystal and her life accomplishments, please visit thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 45. I do love hearing from my listeners and subscribers. If you have feedback or suggestions, please send me an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Please remember when you're in Jackson Hole, be sure to visit my friends at the liquor store of Jackson Hole. This podcast could not be possible without the support of my wife, Laura, my editor, Michael Morey, my musical director, Luke Taylor, and my marketing guru, Tana Hoffman.